ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನಗ್ರಸಿ ಪುರಾಣ ಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾದಶಾಧ್ಯಾ ಅಂಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿ ಯಂ ಸಾಮಗಾಹ್ಯಾನವಸ್ಥಿತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯಾಂತನ್ನ ವಿದುಸುರಸುರಗಣ we discussed yesterday how arjuna asked this question sthita pragnasya ka bhasha samadhisthasya keshava sthita dihi kim prabhasheda kimasida vrajeda kim what is the, dis- the description of a sthita pragnya of a man of abiding wisdom samadhisthasya when he is in samadhi meaning when he is absorbed with himself or what is the state of the mind of a sthita pragnya when he is totally with himself what's the nature of his knowledge that's idea sthitadihi kim prabhasheta such a wise man when he is responding to different situations of pleasure and pain how does he respond to different situations kimasita when he is not in contact with anyone when he is only by himself then how does he remain with himself vrajeda kim and when he moves out when he goes out doing his different actions then how does he act what is how how does he approach the world there four basically four questions are asked by arjuna and then lord krishna replies them in short arjuna wants to know what are the characteristics or natural traits of a sthita pragnya of a man of wisdom as we discussed yesterday what is spontaneous for a wise man what are his natural traits what is natural or effortless for the wise man becomes a value for us becomes a value for the seekers it becomes a role model so sthita pragnya is like a role model for those who are also seeking to be like that so right almost in the beginning of bhagavad gita in the second chapter itself lord krishna provides a role model except that this model is not in terms of some outer physical appearances or physical characteristics this model is in terms of his wisdom what is the nature of his wisdom and then i look in myself and what is the nature of my wisdom then i can compare myself with a wise man and i can see the direction in which i should proceed and how does a wise man respond to different situations and i look in within myself how do i respond to different situations how is he when he is in himself and i look at myself how do i feel when i am with myself and thus all these characteristics are given to us so that they become values for us which we can cultivate with effort which in course of time will become effortless 
As I said yesterday, scriptures give us those values which are inherent in us, but which at the moment do not appear to be inherent. As I said, non-violence, truthfulness, all of these are inherent in us. They are the nature of the self. And that's the reason why someday they can become spontaneous. If they ask us to do something which is not natural for us, then it won't work. Suppose they ask you to stop your mind, you know, something not natural. Or walk on your head, something not natural. So if such instructions are given to us, then we can never be at home with them because it is against our nature. So instructions should always be of the nature with which we can be at home or which when we cultivate deliberately, then which in course of time can become effortless for us. And they are called natural traits or characteristics. And thus in these 18 verses, Lord Krishna is going to describe the various characteristics of Lakshana of the wise man. At the same time, also there are many verses devoted to what we call sadhanam or the means. And uh, what is the means and what is the end? Both of them are beautifully described in the subsequent section called the, the characteristics of the wise man. And thus, keeping all this in mind, in the verse 55, Lord Krishna says, Shri Bhagavan Vacha, Prajahati Yadakaman, Sarvan Parthamanogatan, Atmanye Vatmanatushtaha, Stitha Pragnis Tadochade. Yada and Tada. Yada means when, Tada means then. When a given thing happens, then this person is called Stitha Pragnya or a man of abiding wisdom. So what is the one condition which should happen when the wisdom becomes abiding? What is it which when there is that the wisdom is not abiding? And what is it when there is not that the wisdom becomes abiding? Meaning, what is it which is of the nature of a primary obstacle to the wisdom? So here as we have been saying all along that in our life the main thing that we would accomplish is eliminate obstacles. All along, what we call Vedanta is nothing but praptasya praptahi or the attainment of what is already attained. When we say that we are seeking liberation, Atma, the Self, is nitya mukta, ever liberated, ever free. So freedom also is already attained. So it is attainment of freedom which is already attained, which is already my nature. Then what makes me feel bound or limited? Some obstacles. All we have to do is to remove those obstacles. It's a matter of owning up ourselves rather than becoming something. We don't have to become free. We just have to own up the fact that we are free. And so also, what is it that stands in the way of the wisdom and the abidance of the wisdom? <coughs> Kaman. So one factor identified by Lord Krishna is Kamaha, meaning desire. So desire is something which stands as an obstacle to the abidance of the wisdom. Even if a person has the knowledge, that knowledge will not become abiding as long as there is a desire in the mind. Why is it so? Because desire is a product of ignorance. How do we say that? Because what does a desire reflect? Desire reflects a lack or a sense of insufficiency, a want within myself. Because what do I desire? I always desire something which I do not have. No one is ever going to desire something that one has. Like always Swami likes to tell the story of this man 
who performed a great, great penance to please the Lord. As a result of the penance, the Lord appeared before him. So, okay, what can I do? What do you want? What, which desire do you have that I can fulfill? Lord, our God asks this man. And man makes a request. Oh Lord, please do one thing for me. Please give me a, a head over my shoulder. <coughs> so then God says, well, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't give you that. Says, why? I just want a, I have a very simple desire. Please give me a head over my shoulder. God says, I'm sorry, even I cannot do that. So this man says, I thought God can do anything. And here you say that even you cannot do, cannot give me a head over my shoulder, how come? Lord says, because you already have it. And even I also cannot give you what you already have. If you want another head, I can give you. If you want some modifications in your head, like if you want two more eyes in the back, I can perhaps give you. If you want something inside the head, I can give you. But then, head as such I cannot give you because you already have. Idea is, such a desire is not possible. No one can desire for something which one has. Therefore, desire can be only for an object which one does not have or which one thinks one does not have. Either way, <coughs> I can desire for something which I have. When would it be? When I do not know that I have it. Like the case of this class, the, the standard case of the, the man with glasses, reading glasses. So man is reading a newspaper with his reading glasses on and then comes along a friend and is talking to this person and then while talking to the friend this man simply tucks away his glasses upon his forehead and then talks with him and thus the talk goes on for about half hour that visitor goes away and this man is ready to read his newspaper again and then he looks for his, he can't read it then he realizes, oh his glasses are not on he looks for his glasses all over in the drawer, here, there underneath and behind and under the newspaper in all sorts of places he is looking for his glasses reading glasses doesn't find it and starts shouting and screaming what happened to my reading glasses where is everybody where have you kept it and stuff like that you know as people do then his wife comes out and says what happened says well I can't find my reading glasses where did you keep them away they were here half an hour ago what happened to them wife says I am sorry I don't know where your reading glasses are and thus he watches this whole drama as this man is, you know, getting more and more angry. And a small child comes along and says, Dad, what happened? He says, My son, where are my reading glasses? I can't find them. He says, Dad, will you, with one condition, will you give me a candy? Then I, I can, sh I'll show you where your reading glasses are. Sure, I'll give you a candy. He says, Dad, your reading glasses are on your forehead. Then the man realizes, hey, the glasses were always here and I was looking for them. It's possible that we may be looking for something which we think we do not have. So desire can be for something which I really do not have or desire can be something for that which I have but I do not know that I have. In this case, what is the desire that a human being has? Kaman. Kaman means desire. In fact, desires are many. But what is it that a man desires, really? Or what is the desire behind all the desires? There is desire for happiness, so desire for freedom. So in and through the fulfillment of every desire, man is really seeking freedom or happiness. And that shows either he is not happy or he thinks he is not happy. And the scriptures tell us that this desire is of the second kind. 
Not that the freedom is not him, is no chair. Or not that the happiness is not his nature, but he does not know that he is free, does not know that he is happiness, and therefore he is seeking happiness or freedom out there in the world. And therefore, very desire is an expression of a lack or a want that a person is feeling. And who is feeling the lack or want? It is a self who is complete in nature, is really feeling the lack or want. And therefore, it is what we call an illegitimate desire. Thus really, desire for happiness is not a legitimate desire. If one has a desire for appeasing hunger, we can say it's a legitimate desire. If one has a desire for quenching thirst, there may be legitimate desire. If one has a desire for a shelter or for covering one's body, meaning for the minimum requirement that are there for the sustenance of his body, we might grant that, okay, these desires are legitimate as much as it is the natural requirement of the body. But the desire for happiness is not a legitimate desire. Desire for freedom is not a legitimate desire because that is in fact the nature of the self. And therefore, when this state here, kama, kama or desire, what is meant is this desire. Desire to be happier than what I am or desire to become better than what I am or desire to be free because I think that I am bound. All such desires are what are meant here by the word kama, not desire per se, but the desire, the fulfillment of which is important for me. If there is a desire, the fulfillment of which is not important for me, well, we need not include that as kama here, but desire, the fulfillment of which is important for me, which when not fulfilled, I am unhappy, which when fulfilled, I am happy. This is what is meant by the word kama or the desire. So this is what we call binding desire. And thus we may wish to classify desires into two categories. One is what we call a binding desire, other is what we call non-binding desire. The someone may have a certain fancy. How about having such and such thing? Well, if the desire is fulfilled, well and good. If it is not fulfilled, if it doesn't in any way affect me, then we would say that it is a non-binding desire. So desire, the fulfillment of which does not affect me, or the non-fulfillment of which does not make me unhappy, then we would call it a non-binding desire. And there can be such desires, which are not really an obstacle because they do not disturb me. But we are talking about the binding desires, the fulfillment of which is important for me. When which are not fulfilled, I feel that I am unhappy or incomplete. Which when fulfilled, I feel that I am happy or I am complete. All of such desires are called karma. And all these desires are product of ignorance. Because that is what has been discussed so far. And that's why this, the Upanishad keeps revealing that happiness, satyam, jnanam, anantam, brahma. That Brahma is Satyam, Jnana, Manantam, limitless, meaning Ananda. So happiness is the nature of the self. And therefore, a desire for happiness, it just doesn't make sense. And still if it is there, it is only a product of ignorance. And therefore, really speaking, desires can never be fulfilled. Because a given desire can be fulfilled alright. But what is the motivation behind the desire to become complete? That desire can never be fulfilled. A desire can be fulfilled, 
But desire per se cannot be fulfilled because in spite of fulfillment of a desire, I am going to continue to feel the sense of limitation and therefore it is going to be replaced by another desire. And therefore, when will the desires go? Prajahadi prakarshena jahadi parityajati. Jahadi gives up. Prakarshena jahadi gives up once and for all. So Lord Krishna adds a prefix pra to qualify the nature of giving up. Because we do give up the desire. When a given desire is fulfilled, well that desire is given up momentarily. Or when I am fast asleep, then also I find myself free from desire. But then, it is not given up once and for all. Even though I may be free from desire and deep sleep, as soon as I wake up, again the desire seems to take hold of me. And therefore, that giving up the desire in the deep sleep state is not giving up once and for all. It is only temporary giving up. Or momentarily when I feel happy, at that time also my mind is free from desire. But even then, it is only a momentary or temporary giving up of the desire. Desire can be really given up once and for all, only when the cause of desire is given up. So we must understand that desire is an effect. Desire is a product, like a sprout. A sprout can be there only when there is a seed in the ground. The effect can be there when there is a cause. So desire is an effect. Effect can go only when the cause is eliminated, otherwise effect cannot be eliminated. So you keep on cutting the grass. As long as the seeds are there in the ground, the grass will keep on again growing because the cause is inherent there. And so also what we are doing today is we are providing ourselves what we call symptomatic treatment. As the desires arise in our mind, we keep on fulfilling them without really hurting the cause at all, without treating the cause. And therefore, the cause, namely the ignorance, remains. Ignorance creates in me a sense of insufficiency and as long as that is there, a desire, the desire as such cannot be given up. So, prakarshena jahati, when the cause of the desire is given up. What is the cause of desire? The sense of incompleteness or sense of insufficiency. But even that is also a product. Product of what? Of Atma, Anatma, Aviveka. A non-discrimination between the self and the non-self. And therefore, when will that go? When there is a discriminative knowledge of the self and the non-self. So, Atma, Anatma, Viveka. When there is discrimination between the self and the non-self. When that clarity is there. As to what is the true nature of myself. When that knowledge is there, then alone I can really hope to become free from desire, not until then. So even though Lord Krishna says, when one gives up all the desires obtaining in the mind, manogatan kaman. So when the desires obtaining in the mind are completely given up, actually Lord Krishna should have said, when one gives up the ignorance. However, ignorance is not a tangible entity. Ignorance is not something that can be objectified. And therefore, what, how do we know whether it is ignorance or not? And therefore, the immediate product of ignorance is desire. Avidya, Kama and Karma. From ignorance arises desire. From desire arises various actions to fulfill the desire. And from that arise the, again the results of the action. which generate what we call likes and dislikes. And thus the whole chain of 
the desire and action and reaction goes on. But then we know, when there is a desire in me, when I find within me a sense of insufficiency or a lack, then I know that there is ignorance there. And that can go only when the ignorance goes. So what Lord Krishna here means is, when the ignorance goes away, <coughs> then the desire drops off. In fact, desire can never be given up. Desire has to drop off. And thus, the renunciation that they are talking about in Vedanta is always renunciation of desire. Even though normally we talk of renunciation of action, that he has renounced all the actions. But again, action as we said, is something that is motivated by desire. And one cannot give up the action when there are desires within the mind. Otherwise it's a terrible situation. It's a very unnatural situation. That the mind is flooded with various desires and the person is given up all the actions, renounced all the actions. He is called Mithyachara, he is a hypocrite or whatever. But it is, it is not possible for us to give up desires. All we have to do is to give up the cause of the desire, in which case there is no reason for the desire to arise. And thus, when it is said, Prajahati Yadakaman Sarvan Partha Manogatan. Manogatan meaning those manasip pravishtan, hrudip pravishtan, all those desires which have entered the heart, or which have entered the mind, when they are given up. And Lord Krishna makes it a point to say that the desires are in the mind. Because there were certain thinkers in India, in the olden days, who thought that desire is the nature of the self. Like the Vaisheshikas, the Nayayikas, you to think that Kamaha, etc. Desire is the nature of the self. But here Lord Krishna says, no, desire is not the nature of the self. Desire is something that obtains in the mind. If desire was the nature of the self, we can never get rid of it. Because what is natural cannot be gotten rid of. What is incidental can be eliminated. For example, when there is dirt in the water, we can remove the dirt. Because dirt is not the nature of water, it is something foreign or incidental. And similarly also what we call desire. And by desire we should also understand here the opposite of it. So Kama is also called Raga. And when there is Raga, there is also is going to be Dvesha. So by the word Kama, we would understand Raga and Dvesha, attachment and aversion. Both of which cause desires. When there is an attachment, then there is a desire to gain the object of attachment. When there is an aversion, there is a desire to avoid or get rid of the object of aversion. And therefore, by the karma of the desire is meant both raga and dvesha, attachment and aversion. Both of them have to go. And so one has to really become free from attachment and aversion. And one cannot become free unless one gains the knowledge of self that is free from attachment and aversion. <coughs> and this becoming free from raga dvesha or attachment and aversion is, carried, is to be carried out in two steps. The first step was described here as Karma Yoga. How by Karma Yoga we discussed? How about the Prasad Buddhi? Meaning accepting whatever result comes to us as Prasad or grace of God, how we become free from reactions to the results and situations in life? And how by performing whatever actions come to our share? 
by performing them also as the command of the Lord and performing that as His command and doing them happily also again make us free from the reactions. So Karma Yoga essentially makes a person free from reactions, not totally. They ultimately the Ragadveshas will go only by the knowledge but then they have to largely go by what we call Karma Yoga. So Sarvan, Parsamanogatan, the desires are all embedded in the mind. They are not the nature of the self and therefore they can go. Had they been the nature of the self, you could not get rid of them. Therefore Upanishad says, Yada Sarve Pramuchande Kaman Yesi Hridhisthitaha Kama Yesi Hridhisthitaha Once when for the wise man all the kama or the desires obtaining in the heart when all of them go away Asamartyam Vrtavavadi Atra Brahma Samasnude Then this Marthiha the mortal one becomes immortal Atra Brahma Samasnude and he attains or enjoys Brahman right here so first and important condition is when the mind of this wise man becomes completely free of all the desires which were residing in the mind. And thus desire is identified here as the primary obstacle to the knowledge. And desire gives us to many secondary obstacles. When Raga is there, Dvesha also is there. Kama is there, Krodha is there. Krodha means anger. Anger also further gives rise to other things. So it gives rise to low greed, it gives rise to pride, it gives rise to jealousy, it gives, it gives rise to all these other secondary effects also. And therefore the primary is the karma. So they recognize the sixfold, the sixfold enemies, internal enemies. The Shadripuhu they are called. Kama, Krodha, Lobha, Moha, Mada and Masarya. Kama means passion or desire. Krodha is anger. Lobha, the greed, moha, delusion, mother, pride, and matsarya is jealousy. All of them will go when karma goes. So therefore, karma or the desire is identified here as the primary obstacle to the abidance of the knowledge. And as long as mind is under the spell of this karma or the desire so long, it is not possible for the mind to be an abiding mind because it will again and again disturb by the desire. And this is going to be discussed at great length in the third chapter, where Arjuna asked this question. Asa kena prayuktoyam papam chardi purushaha anikshanna vivarshanaya baladivan yojitaha. Arjuna asked the question there, Oh Lord, what is it within the heart of a man which compels him to do, to commit sin? Which compels him to go against his own values? What is it? And Lord says, Kamaeshaha krodeshaha. It is anger, desire which itself becomes anger and compels the man. Mahashanam Mahapapma Vidhyanam Vairanam Mahashanam This desire, his belly is so large that it can never be filled. Its appetite is, is un, it has unquenchable appetite. Mahapapma and it is the source of all the sin because it results into anger and anger makes a person do things which are totally against his own nature. So Mahasano Mahapapma Vidhyanam Vairanam. Here Arjuna, may you know this Kama and the Krodha, the desire and anger as the Vairi, as an enemy. So Lord Krishna also require, instructs us to fight with the enemy. People say that the purpose of Bhagavad Gita 
is to instruct Arjuna or to, or to command Arjuna to fight the battle. But which battle? Lord Krishna is not so much interested in the outer battle. Really the battle that we have to win is the inner battle. And therefore Lord Krishna identifies the enemy. Vidhyenamiha vairinam Hey Arjuna, may you know this to be vairi or your enemy. Where enemy to for whom? Enemy for the person who is seeking knowledge. Enemy is for the person who is seeking wisdom. Avartam jnana metena jnana nitya vairina kam rupena kaunteya duspurena analena cha This kama or the desire is compared to a fire. And just as we pour butter into the fire and how the fire, the tongue of the fire leaps and so also as we keep on fulfilling these desires, the fire of desire keeps on becoming more and more intense. And so, therefore it is said, they say, Kama rupena kaunte dushpurana analayana cha. It is a fire which can never be quenched. And thus, this kama, avrutam jnana metena. The jnana means the discrimination is something that is veiled by this kama or the desire. Jnana no nityavairana. So that which is in nityavairi or ever an enemy of the person seeking knowledge. Person who is a discrimination. An ignorant worldly person does not even know that desire is an enemy. Because world thinks that more desire we have, more motivation we have to do things and thus we will make progress. So whenever you give this kind of a talk in the world outside, they'll ask you a question right away. Swamiji, if you say that all desires should be given up, then how will the world make progress? Everybody is worried about the world progress. Because they think that it is a desire which is responsible for the progress. On the other hand, desire is responsible for all the evils in life. And therefore, Gnanino Nityavairina, for the one who has a value to become free from desire, he finds that desire is a great enemy. Because ultimately it only causes me to run into the world and causes me all kinds of uh, likes and dislikes are created and therefore the seeker of the knowledge knows desire as an enemy. And therefore in this verse, Lord Krishna presents karma or the desire as the primary obstacle to the knowledge. When that obstacle goes away, then one gains what we call an abiding knowledge. <coughs> but if this is all that is said, perhaps it would have been incomplete. If it is merely said that when one gives up all the desires, then one is a wise person, then it would have an incomplete statement. That's what Shankarajara says, Sarva kama parityage tushti karana abhavat sharira dharana namitta shesha chasati unmatta pramatta seva pravatthi prapta says an ordinary person gains his happiness from what? from the fulfillment of desire usually when does a person feel happy? when a desire is fulfilled now here you say that this is a person who has given up all the desires that means that there is no source for him to be happy because what is the source of happiness? fulfillment of a desire when do I feel happy? when I get something that I like or I love. So when some attachment or like is fulfilled or desire is fulfilled, that is when we find that we feel happy. And thus, when all the desires are given up, then the only source of happiness that a person has is given up. What's the reason for him to live? And also one cannot die because death is not in my hand. As long as the body is, so long the life continues. 
And how long will the body continue? As long as prarabdha is. As long as destiny is, so long the, the, the journey of the body will continue. So imagine the condition of a man who continues to live all right, but for whom there is no desire and there is no source of happiness at all. So there is no reason for him to continue to live and still he continues to live because the prarabdha or the destiny continues. Then how is that person? Unmatta pramatta seva. Then that person is like a drunkard or like a fellow who is totally uh, under the spell of uh, delusion. So then that person is like a mad person or like the one who is, uh, who is totally intoxicated. A mad person has no reason to live but he continues to live. A person intoxicated also he somehow because his body goes on and then he is even though he has no reason. And similarly, if merely it was said that a person is called wise because the person is totally free from desire, then perhaps one would feel. And particularly the material the people who think that the happiness is only in the material would definitely feel that this man must be either intoxicated or he must be mad. Therefore, Lord has to add here a very important condition which distinguishes a wise man from a crazy person or a mad person. And what is that? Atmaneva Atmana Tushtaha. When such a question arises, the answer is given. Atmaneva Atmana Tushtaha. There is all the reason for him to live. Because he is Tushtaha. Tushtaha meaning that one is Alam Pratyavan. Tushta means one who is contented. One is totally satisfied. What, do, what exactly is the description of satisfaction? Alam Pratyavan. Alam means enough. One who enjoys a state of mind, which one enjoys when one has enough. So when I'm eating food, and then they give me cake, and they give me all kinds of things, you know, which I love, then a point comes when I have to say, Alam, enough. Even I who love and perhaps eat without any kind of a uh, discrimination, let us say, even that person also will have to say, enough. When do I say enough? When I am completely satisfied. So satisfaction or the contentment that we have usually is expresses alam or enough. So what is sense of satisfaction I feel when it is enough? That is called tushti. So tushti meaning this contentment or the satisfaction or the fulfillment one has when one does not need anything more. When there is no more desire, when one is totally content. So Tushtaha, the wise man is the one who always feels the sense of contentment or total satisfaction, total happiness. But where is his source of happiness? You said that he doesn't have any desires anymore. And therefore, the common source of happiness that is there for that is the fulfillment of desire that he doesn't have. Then where does his happiness come from? Atmaneva Atmana Tushtaha. Atmaneva Pratyagatma Swarupeva. Within, within himself, meaning within the self that is the indwelling self. Atmana Tushtaha. He is happy within himself by himself. Usually, the happiness that an ordinary person feels is always happiness with some reason. 
you always ask, how do you feel, ha- how come you are feeling happy today? Oh, because today is my birthday, you know, or something like that. Or, how come you are happy today? Because I got a job. What makes you happy today? I got admission. So you ask a person, why are you happy? The person will always have some or the other reason. So happiness that an ordinary person feels is due to some reason, some nimitta. And that is called naimittikam sukham. Happiness that arises on account of some external factor, some external cause. So happiness of an ordinary person is always caused by something other than himself. Just to distinguish this wise man from an ordinary person, Lord Krishna says, Atmana tushtaha, Sveneva vahyalava nirvekshaha, Sveneva by himself, vahyalava nirvekshaha, without any expectation or dependence upon vahyalava or an external gain. So it is not that this person is happy because he got something. There is no gain at all. Without, so independent of any external gain or independent of any external condition, the person is happy. So his happiness is not derived from an object which may be conducive or agreeable. His happiness is derived, Atmani, from the very self. So he is happy with himself and by himself. Why is he happy? Say Shankarajari, Paramartha Darshana Amruta Rasalabhena. So, Paramartha Darshana Amruta Rasalabhena. Labhena, on account of having obtained or attained Amruta Rasa, he has attained the nectar or ambrosia. Which is, where does he get that nectar or ambrosia? Paramartha Darshana. On account of Darshana or the knowledge of Paramartha, which is the absolute truth or the nature of the self. On account of the knowledge of the self, he has gained that Amruta or Ambrosia. Remember the gods and demons were churning the milky ocean in order to extract the Ambrosia from there? So he said that when you churn the milky ocean, then you get the Ambrosia. What is that milky ocean? Nothing but the mind. What's the Ambrosia? This knowledge. So wise man has that part of ambrosia as though, meaning he, the self, which is the nature of amrita or immortality, which is the nature of happiness. The one who has discovered the self to be happiness is happy with the self, by the self, in the self. <coughs> Anyasmat alam pratyavan. And one who has alam pratyay, one who has a sense of enoughness for everything other than oneself. Meaning one does not need anything other than oneself to be happy. That means he is happy because self is of the nature of happiness. So if you ask a wise man, why are you happy? Ask another ignorant person, why are you happy? Because of such and such reason. Ask a wise man, why are you happy? I cannot but be happy. There is no reason why he is happy. For an ignorant person, there is a reason to be happy. For a wise person, there is no reason why you are happy. Because happiness is welling up from within himself. No more there is an obstacle. It is not that the self of the wise man is the nature of happiness and self of the other wise man is of the nature of unhappiness. If I have happiness myself, how come I don't feel it all the time? Because there is an obstacle. What's the obstacle? That karma or the desire. 
Where does it arise from? Arises from a sense of lack or insufficiency. Where does that arise from? From ignorance. So ignorance gives rise to a sense of insufficiency, which gives rise to the desire, which always sends my mind out to the object of desire. When the desire is there, mind always is extrovert. Mind always thinks of the object of desire. And when it is thinking of object of desire, it cannot be thinking of the self, cannot be centered on the self. So desire, in fact, deprives me of my own self. That's why it's called an enemy. There's no enemy outside. Atmaiva Atmano Bandhu Atmaiva Rupura Atmanaha. Lord Krishna says, in fact, it is a self alone or the mind alone which becomes one's enemy and mind alone which becomes one's friend. Maneva Manushyanam Karanam Bandhamakshayoho. It is mind which is the cause of bondage, mind that is the cause of liberation. And which is the mind that is the cause of bondage? Bandhaya Vishayasaktam. The mind that is asaktam or attached to the sense objects, sense pleasures and therefore always running after the sense pleasures and therefore extrovert, that is the cause for bondage. Mukte nirvishayam smritam and the mind which is free from vishaya, the attachment for the sense objects, mukte smritam, that becomes the cause of mukti or liberation. And so that one obstacle which stifles the happiness of the self, that being removed, the happiness naturally wells up as though from like a fountain and therefore the wise man is happy without any reason. <laughs> so two important conditions are being told here. One is when the mind has become totally free from all the desires once and for all and secondly when one is happy by oneself with oneself. So wise man is always at home with himself. Because he is happy with himself. So to be happy with oneself is a great thing. Do I love myself? Am I happy with myself? Then well, nobody can make you unhappy. As we will see, when I am happy with myself, nobody can make me unhappy. When I am not happy with myself, anybody can make me unhappy. So no situation will be able to disturb the wise man. Why? Because... Vidwan Tada then Vidwan, this wise man is called Siddhapragnya or a man of abiding wisdom. And this is concluded by Shankaracharya by saying, Chitta Putra Vitta Lokaishana Sanyasi Atma Ramaha Atma Kridaha Siddhapragnya Ityasaha. This Sanyasi, meaning a renunciate, means the one who enjoys the dispassion of Vairagya. And one who is totally free from all attachments. Why is it Tyakta Putra Vitta Lokeshana? One who is devoid of or free from all the irishanas or desires. And three kinds of desires are identified here. Putra Vitta Lokeshana. Putra means desire for progeny. Vitta is desire for wealth. And Loka is desire for the other world. So in the olden days, they used to look upon the desire of a man as, as made up of these three, the desire of these three categories. Desire for progeny a person had because he can be happy only if he has a son or a children, then they will do all the, the rituals and the rites that are required after his departure, so his place will be assured. 
it is putrena I am loga jaya if you are son then you can definitely win this world or the earth you can definitely be born again on the earth not worse than that and then uh, karmana pitruloka if you perform karma or action pitruloka vidya devaloka if you have upasana or meditations you can go to heavens and these are the beliefs there and there were there are the three kinds of things that a man wants man wants security and happiness here as well as hereafter and therefore he wants progeny he wants wealth and he wants loka or the other world or he wants name and fame when one is totally free from all these kinds of desires then that is only sannyasi that is the one who has that wisdom he alone in the wake of the knowledge becomes free from these desires atma ramaha atma kridaha isko atma ramaha the one who has aramaha the one who has resting place or one who revels in atma so one who revels with the self isko atma ramaha atma kridaha one who sports with oneself see the wise man sports with oneself the idea is that sport gives us happiness when we sport but for sporting i always require something other than me the wise man seems to be as happy as a one sporting with someone near and dear or a beloved but then he is happy because even though he is just sporting with himself meaning he is as happy as a man sporting with someone because he is the happiness of the self or atma ramaha usually revel in the objects of or like he revels only himself sadapragnya he is called a man of abiding wisdom who revels himself who is happy with himself enjoys himself and therefore he is happy with everything else the good thing is when i am happy with myself i find myself happy with everybody else and everything else everything looks good when i am happy with myself and everything nothing looks good when i am not happy with myself this is idea so atmaniv atmanatushtah sthita pragnistadochyade this is the answer to arjuna's first question sthita pragnistika bhasha what is the description of a sthita pragnya or a man of abiding wisdom this is his description not a physical description this is a characteristic of his mind that his mind is completely free from the desire, from the hold of desires or completely free from the hold of likes and dislikes and he is totally happy with himself by himself without the need for anything other than himself meaning he is naturally happy effortlessly happy there is no effort required for him this is how what is the nature of happiness this is the primary characteristic of a wise man <coughs> okay ಪುನಃಪುನಃರೋಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೇ 
ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ